This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. All right, on Fresh Right Across Australia, we're talking today with an artist who you might not have heard of before. His name is Tyson Motzenbocker, and he joins me on the line. How are you, Tyson? I'm great, man. How about you? Yeah, doing pretty well. Uh, now, for people who haven't heard of you before, who are you? <laughs> uh, I am a singer-songwriter from California on the west coast of the USA. Is that where you are right now? I'm actually at my dad's house in a town called Leavenworth, Washington, which is up in the like, kind of East Cascade Mountains in the northwest. Oh, so. Must be a beautiful place to be up there. It's nice, man. i got a cat on my lap right now, so that's, <laughs> and I'm sitting by a fire. <laughs> what's the cat's what's name? Uh, the cat's name is one of these that it's like changed its name a bunch of times, but right now we call it La Di La Da. Uh, what was that? My dad's cat. La Di La Da. La Di La Da. That's a great. That's the cat name. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great. I don't, know, I don't even remember what its original name was, but that's what it gets called now. <laughs> la Di La Da. Well, you can pat the cat as we yeah. chat about your new album. It is called Letters to Lost Loves, and it's got a very, yeah. um, it's got a very serious and also sad story behind it. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, I was my mom had been sick with cancer for about five years, and she passed away um, after fighting that for a while and um i had been playing music and, and touring at the time a lot and uh, i hadn't had much time to kind of process through what it would mean to have such a big change happen in my life and uh, such a big loss mm. um and so i um the lot the short of it is that i um i decided to walk across a good chunk of california so i, I walked from my house, which is in uh, San Diego, to uh, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, and it took just a little over a month. Uh, it was kind of the time of me saying, like, that I wasn't even, you know, that nothing, none of the things that I thought really mattered in my life mattered that much in the face of the bigger things. And mm. so I spent, I spent that month walking and uh, a lot of time trying to sort of uh, reconcile uh the things that I believed and the new things that had barged into my life and um, a lot of time praying and a lot of time um, kind of coming up with these thoughts and melodies that became the record. So mm. a good bit of that record was written kind of just walking down the side of the highway in California. Wow. Everyone, you know, everyone grieves in different ways. Uh, but this is yeah. definitely a, a unique way, I think, to to grieve, to go for a, a long hike, as it were. Um, what were some of the things that you felt like you you learned through that process? That's a great question, man. Um, I think one thing that I learned was was the way that because uh, basically every day I would be I would be walking along the side of the road and people would be driving hmm. the other way, so they would look at me and. And they would keep driving, and and I guess I, I was just struck with the idea that pretty pretty quickly, like my grief stopped being about me, and it started feeling a lot more universal. Like I started thinking about the way that everyone is full of these little tragedies and heartbreaks in their lives, and mm. we are all sort of just driving past each other at you know seventy miles an hour without realizing that the things that we are missing every day. And it, that was a, that was a big realization for me. It was the sort of the idea that like. That like sorrow is a universalism, right? Like there's yeah. everyone is just something that we all have is the idea of loss, and that 
and sadness. And, and um, in some ways, that that is one of the great uniting factors in humanity is that we are all we are all sort of spinning through space, losing things together. And that, to me, was a great comfort, actually. Mm. You, you on this on this walk, you, you went a long way. Obviously, you mentioned from what San Diego to San Francisco. Yeah, which is um, it. It's about six hundred miles. It takes about it takes about ten hours to drive from one place to the other. Wow! So, and and uh, and I, I walked along the coast the whole time. So it was it was a kind of a it was a a big contrast between sort of like the beauty of the coastline and then also all the people driving on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> what what and, uh, that was. What are some of the things that you saw as you as you walked? So, were there some some interesting sights, obviously beautiful scenery, but some surprising things as well? Absolutely. I mean, um, there, you know, it's, it's always hard to sort of summarize, sort of mm. summarize the trip. And it's something that I've been having to do a lot lately because this album is sort of points directly back to it a lot. But I think that one thing that I saw a lot, like uh, there's a place called Big Sur, which is just south of Santa Cruz, like just south of Monterey Bay. And it's um, a place that like, sort of writers and poets and, you know, spiritualists and mm. have been going for a long, long time because it's got this really rugged, incredible beauty there. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was, I, I think a lot of what I, what I, what I saw was um, sort of the contrast that happened in kind of in California in particular, but I think everywhere where there's basically, you know, I will walk past a homeless encampment where there's a bunch of people sleeping in, uh, you know, tents and, and garbage bags and stuff on the side of the road. And then five minutes later, a $250,000 car will drive back. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that it was sort of the, the, even just like the, the idea between like, uh, you know, beautiful natural beauty mm. and pollution. Like, mm. like if there's, if there's litter on the side of the road, right. And you're seeing like this sunset over Big Sur and then you're seeing a whole pile of like, fast food cups <laughs> yeah. and it was it was kind of just these a lot of these parallels and kind of like the way that the way that mankind is moving through the, the world and, and i think that slower pace of having to walk the whole time was um everything is so so much it's thrown in your face so much more where you're being forced to observe it yeah um and it was things that are, are so, sort of hard to even articulate because um, they don't really mean much when you say them, but when you see them over and over and over, they kind of manifest in a feeling, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and this walk that you went on as well made you ask some big questions of faith. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was kind of, that was the big question. The big questions were all about faith for the most part. What what kind of things were you were you questioning? You know, it's been it's been really interesting uh, to kind of answer that in a roundabout way. That it's really it's been really interesting to hear kind of people from other countries uh, interact with this record, mm. um, because I think that some of it is I, I didn't realize this is the case, but some of it is that um, America has a culture of evangelical Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, if you go to the South in particular. Um, it's hard to sort of tell where the culture begins and the space ends. Like it's all yeah. kind of interwoven. Okay. Yep. And, and, um, it's, tr- it's traditionalist and it's, um, 
it's like even it's not necessarily biblical it's just the culture it's like it's just the culture of christianity which is an american culture and like my friends in canada or my friends in the uk or or whatever they don't they don't really understand some of the things that i was really struggling with on this record because it's it has to do with the way that people have woven Jesus together with the things that they want to believe. Yes. Uh, and, like, you can see it now with the elections really well. So, like, the evangelicals are supporting a person who has nothing to do with Jesus, right? Yeah, like, yeah, so opposite. yeah, yeah. And, and so, because there's been a culture there that he supports the rest of the culture, but not the part where Jesus really would have been excited. So, mm, mm. I think that, like, I think for me it was the, the beginning of it all was... Um, the feeling that, like, the things that people say that God answers prayers about, and in America, I think it's that they, people love to attribute the things that God has done. Like, they love to attribute that to Him. So basically, anything, anytime anything goes their way, mm. then they attribute it to Jesus. And for me, going through this process with my family, and, uh, you know, my mom being sick, and all of us praying for her, um, and then that prayer not being answered, right? Like God not not healing her. Mm. Um, and then and then meanwhile people are people are all over the place saying that God was doing things um, that to me seemed it, it it seemed insane that he would do those things and then not bother with this this thing that meant so much to me. Mm. Um, and so I think a lot of it was trying to sort of like parse and separate in my own mind. Um what was really there? Like, what was, what was real? Like, you know, what, what was, what were the things that I really thought that Jesus had his hand in? Like, what did he do and what did he not do? Mm-hmm. And like, what was kind of like the culture and the way that people had spoken about God for a long time in, a, in my community and, and what was, what was just, uh, what was actually authentically him. And I think that a lot of that was a deconstruction of, of my upbringing. Um, and, a reevaluation of who he is, and I think that it had it started by me basically stripping everything away, mm. saying like, "Okay, we're starting from ground zero here." Because if I can't believe these few things that I always thought I could believe about him, then what can I believe? Yes, yes. Um, start like kind of man beginning beginning with the idea that he answers prayers or exists at all. Because if he's up there listening and he chooses not to do this thing, like the line in one of my songs that says that, like it's talking about the passage in James that says the faith without action is dead. Mm. And then I basically flip that on God, and I say, well, you know, you said that faith, if you believe that you don't do anything, then you're not real. Mm. And so if if you believe, you know, God, if you believe, but you don't, you just sit there and choose not to act on these things, on these tragedies in people's lives that are unjust, then do you even exist? Like, are you dead? Mm. Right? Um, and, uh, and I think that was kind of a good place to start and I think I I was able to reconstruct you know my faith it looks so different now but I, I reconstructed it and it feels different and it's a lot less sure about anything um, but I think that I have a spirit of understanding and sort of like a, I feel like I have an eye contact with God that I didn't have before yeah. um, so Wow. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. I, th- I think it does. <laughs> it's it's a very yeah. <laughs> personal question to ask you, and I think yeah. Yeah, that really does make sense. And I should ask as well, on, on the track in your name, you share words that the church yeah. has, has told you through this process. You say, uh, son, yeah. I don't think Jesus is in this bu- business of healing anymore. You know, how, how did you right. deal with that hurt, especially when it comes from within the church itself? 
Yeah, man. I mean, that was something that my that my dad said to me um, after I prayed for my mom when she was really sick. Mm. And uh, and it was that was a you know there was a review recently that said that it was his it called it my dad's crippling defeat. Right. Um. And it was man. It was it was. I've never seen him defeated before. And he was defeated. And I was like, this, this isn't. Like it was very clear that it wasn't going to work. Like we could pray all we wanted, and it wasn't going to matter. Mm. Um, so, uh, man, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that was that when he said that to me. That was when kind of that flood. There was a flood of memories that went through my mind. Of you know all of the things that basically the ways that the ways that the American church as a as a broad whole, so as a cultural entity, not necessarily as the churches. Um, but how they had sort of taken prayer and speci- sort of prayer broadly and mm. Jesus specifically and had used that to like, they sort of had immunized it, right? They turned it into guns and they pointed it at people. Mm. And, and, uh, I think that was kind of the trigger of the whole thing. I was right before my mom died and that was one of the big things that I dealt with was like, how, like, is, is Jesus really being pointed at us like is he here to hurt us yes do, do you hope that people who have experienced loss will be able to understand it all a little bit better through hearing this album or do you think it's just more your personal take on your grieving process uh my hope in general um i think that yeah you know grieving is so personal and it's so specific to your the way that you encountered mm. loss mm. um for me, I, I think when I, especially when I started touring this record, the last thing that I wanted it to be was about me. You know, I didn't, I didn't want this to, I didn't want to go out and every night stand on stage and have people console me and have people, um, have, have it be a time where they sort of like were my counselor or like my, my psychologist that was helping me get through this problem. Like that was the last thing that I wanted because mm. In so many ways, that's like what the creation of the record already was. Yes. And so, like, I think the, the sort of piece that I came to with it was that, was that idea that I mentioned earlier, which is that this is a universalism. It's that we are all hurting. We are all we are all hurting. We are all like one of the only things that all people experience is that we lose things that we love, and we come to the realization that those things can't stay. Mm. Yes. Um. And. I don't, I don't want to be someone that's isolating myself from other people. Mm. I want to be someone that's saying, like, kind of in a broader voice, the thing like, hey, it's, oh, it is okay. It's okay to feel this way. Mm. Like, it's okay to question the things that you believe, and that actually that's an important part of being human. Mm. Um, and that, you know, that we, are, we can all be unified in the fact that we are hurting mm. um, and will be hurting and maybe there are seasons of that, but this is something that we have in common. And I'm always looking for ways to point people, if I have a voice at all to whatever audience that beats, I want to show people that we are more in common than we we are different. Mm, Um, The things that divide us are not real. You know, they're they're so much less real than the things that bring us together, which is sort of the human experience. Um, So that was my goal with the record. And I, I... I think, you know, every night there are people that come up to me after these shows and they say, you know, man, I, it usually starts with a personal account, you know, like I lost my brother or my yeah. sister or my dad or my mom. And, 
and th- I felt the same way. You know, like I felt the same feeling of in- that the universe was unjust, like whatever mm. that be, whether, you know, and this is coming from people of all faiths and backgrounds and like saying, I felt wrong mm. when this happened. And that could be anything. It could be, you know, like, like the idea that the guy in the, in the millionaire or in the millionaire in the, in the mansion in Beverly Hills, um, understands loss any less than the guy in the, in the, sh- in the shack in Africa. Mm, like yes. that, they both know what it's like to love someone who doesn't love them back. Mm. And they both know what it's like to lose someone that they love. And that is a unifying thing. And it doesn't matter what you believe because it feels unjust. Mm. And I think that's something that we can kind of, that's an umbrella that we can all come, come, come together under. Yes. So, so that was, yeah, that was my hope. And I, and I think that that'll be a lifelong process for me in both my art and in my life. But that's the hope. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I want to hear a couple of the songs, uh, the stories behind the songs, if you don't mind. Uh, firstly, Evangeline. Yeah. What's the story behind Evangeline? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that question. Um, a few years ago, I, I, so I grew up in the Northwest here. Yep. Um, and a few, we don't we have like sort of this drizzling rain. <laughs> yeah. That that happens all the time, and it doesn't it doesn't really let up, but it also doesn't really go very hard. Mm, okay, it kind of just ha- it's like an Irish rain, you know. It just kind of happens <laughs> all the time. Yes. And I went out a few years ago. I spent a month um, in Michigan State, which is in the Midwest, on on uh, on the Great Lakes. Yeah. And um, I I was I was there for just a, a little under a week, and this incredible storm came through. It was this a storm that I had ne- like I had never experienced. It was mm-hmm. just this massive storm, <clears throat> and uh, there was it was an electrical storm. So there were there was more. I remember that there was more lightning than there was not lightning. Wow! So, like there was never a moment when there was not a lightning happening. Wow! And the rain was like you couldn't. It was the loudest thing I had ever heard. It was like louder than a rock show. You know, like the rain hitting the hitting the earth was the loudest thing I'd ever heard. Mm. And I was standing under the eaves of this barn, kind of trying to take it all in, feeling like electrified by the by the storm. Also, it's just like it was, I felt so just on top of the world, like I was high on drugs or something. Mm. And and I looked over, and there were these. There was this couple, this high school couple. They were probably thirteen or fourteen, and they were out in the middle of the field, and they were kissing each other in the middle of the storm. And and I just had this rush of emotion of like thinking about young, young love, um, and how it sort of stands like to defy the odds, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah, there's this storm, and like we should get we should get struck by lightning, but we are in love and we are invincible, and we're going to stand in the middle of this this field, this this field and just let it all hit us at once. Yes. Um, and I think like. I, I was I was thinking back to you know being young myself and h- hearing people say, basically like sort of looking down their nose upon like young couples like high school, middle school, uh, or, you know people that are in their teens or preteens that are in romantic relationships, mm. and and th- thinking that it wasn't real for whatever reason you know, that they hadn't experienced the wrath of the world yet or whatever, but thinking like man, that is like looking at this couple and thinking like, that is so real. It is so Mm. much, there's so much realness in what is happening there because it's so formative. It's like they are coming together and they're going to be 
Like this is a force as powerful as this storm in yeah. some ways. Even in, in some ways because of its naivety. That was like one of the reasons why it was so beautiful. And mm. um, like it's talking about the fact that like you know mo- most young love doesn't work out, but it is still like there's a line that says that even when the sky grows dark, like we were the lucky ones. Like mm-hmm. being being in love in the storm is in some ways like the height of it is one of the heights of of, of uh, being a being a person, and it is just as real as anything you would experience later. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Uh, how about the tracks? Yeah. I still have to go. What's the story behind that song? Yeah, I, uh, that one was a that one. The way that one came to be was that a few years ago. I I made a the first EP that I made, which doesn't really it isn't really anywhere. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I mean, it's like, you, you might be able to find it, but it's, I don't know if you totally could, but it's, 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 it's not online. But, you say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I made that and then I, um, I think it was like kind of this, I, I was really struggling with creating things and, um, it felt really, really like just the idea of making things seemed so important that yeah. I it was unable to do it because I, it just like to sit down and write felt like. I better not write something bad because this would be just a, hor- a horrible thing to do would be to make something bad. Mm. And um, I was unable to write and I had writer's block for like over a year and I couldn't write songs. And um, and uh, a friend of mine, um, he was, he, he, makes, uh, he makes films and he was making a fly fishing film for a company in Seattle, Washington and they were going to be driving from they're going to be driving from Seattle uh, down to Tijuana, and they were going to be fishing all the rivers in between. Mm-hmm. And he 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 asked me to score the the movie, and so he said it's going to be about roads, it's going to be about driving on this road trip, and it's going to be about these rivers. And he's like, I want you to write a song about rivers, and I want you to write a song about the roads. <gasps> and so I wrote that song. Uh, that song I supposed to go. It was about. Um, and so it, it was awesome because it was the thing that broke me out of my shell. It was like having a having a project and a deadline and sort of like um, an assignment, yeah. which is exactly what I needed at the time to break mm. me out of that writer's block. Yes. And uh, I think at the time I was really dealing with the uh, the feeling of feeling this, sort of like dissatisfied. Yeah. And and how how the things that we the things that we use to sort of satisfy our dis or sort of like you know quiet or dissatisfaction yeah um that those those things we always know that they aren't going to work you know mm-hmm. like we always know that leaving town for instance which is sort of something that i always did i would just sort of leave the situation if i was feeling dissatisfied and, and I, I always knew that i wasn't going to fix it but it's there's still sort of this drive in us to to do these things that we know aren't going to help mm-hmm. because it's something to do and yeah. we don't know what else to do so um yeah, I was really, really grateful to those guys for giving me that assignment. And that song uh, broke me out of my writer's block, and I'm really grateful. That's why that, that song was actually on my last EP as well. So that's the only song I've ever recorded twice. Right. Wow. And you re-recorded it for this one. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we're almost out of time, Tyson. But uh, I do want to ask you what you've got planned for the rest of the year. I've got a. I just finished this tour, so I've got. Um, a couple other plans to do some touring. I'll be out in the Midwest next month in Kansas City, and then I'm going out to the South. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to play these songs in the South. Uh, uh, I think it'll be it'll be fun. And then I'm going to Europe 
Um, wow. In, in, in June. Um, wow. So that's kind of the, 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 the immediate plan. And, um, yeah, man, I, I, I think we will, we'll see what's next. I, I hope that, um, you know, you, you make songs and you kind of shoot them off into the, you shoot them off into the world and hope that they connect with people. And um, so far they have, like people have felt like in some way they were bringing us all together, which is the goal, like I said. So yes, uh, we'll see what's next. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Tyson Motzenbacher, your album is available right now. It is called Letters to Lost Loves and we've been featuring on Fresh tonight. Thanks so much for the chat. Hey, thank you so much, man. Thanks for making time.